Welcome back to the Movie Bubble Podcast. We're going to be uh, looking over some of the top five this week at the box office. It was a little bit of a quiet week at the box office. Nothing really new came out and took the box office by storm. Some of the same old. We'll also be moving into some other more interesting releases this week, like the uh, current war, the director's cut. There's a lot of neat kind of uh, story behind that and the release of that film. We'll also be looking at Jesus is King, uh, the IMAX release um, with Kanye's new album, uh, we'll also be looking at the new Netflix release, Dolomite Is My Name. That's a pretty big one with Eddie Murphy in the lead in that role. We'll also talk about The Lighthouse and Jojo Rabbit. And uh, Colin is not here this week, so that's why I am hosting. I'm here with Nick. How you doing, Nick? I'm hanging in there. It's actually, strangely, not a lot to talk about in the top five there, but a lot to talk about overall. It's really, really fascinating week. For sure. And I think that looking at the top five, as I said, they're wasn't too much of a change from last week i mean joker held in 18.9 million that takes top spot i think it's also uh worth noting that joker is now the all-time highest grossing r-rated film worldwide it's touched 850 million worldwide um kind of in second place there maleficent mistress of evil uh 18.5 million so we might see a little bit of a closer duel between them when the actuals come out tomorrow uh the adams family's holding in 11.7 million in third Zombieland Double Tap at 11.6 million in fourth, and then we have Countdown, which came in fifth this weekend at a little over nine million dollars. We'll chat a little bit more about that. But firstly, uh, Joker. There's a little bit of development out of China, and it won't be getting released in China. Uh, Nick, I know you know a little bit more about this situation. Uh, uh, what's your input here? Yeah, so it's really interesting because we've we've been tracking Joker for the last couple of weeks, obviously, and. It, the talk has always been like, all right, like how high is this going to go? And R-rated, it's kind of an R-rated character study. I mean, it's, we've talked about that so many times at this point. But so it's like, how what is the ceiling on this movie? And I mean, every step of the way, it's kind of just blown blown our expectations out of the water. It's doing killer business, like you said. It's highest R-rated movie of all time. It's well over eight hundred and fifty million, uh, which is crazy. But yeah, like you said. It's not going to be released in China, which definitely puts a lower ceiling on it all. Uh, and the main reason is, well, for one, uh, I kind of broke this down on a pod a few weeks ago. Uh, but the the China um, Entertainment Board or the movie board isn't uh, – they're a little fickle. Uh, the rules aren't really um, set in stone. They kind of look at each film kind of individually and kind of see whether or not it can get a release in China. Um, so The Joker, it's definitely – uh, not your typical comic book movie. So it's uh, the material in it is definitely rougher. So they weren't uh, too uh, interested in that and showing that to the masses. But also, um, and, a, and a very interesting geopolitical note here that a lot of this, like one of the big reason that it's not being played um, in China is because of the current Hong Kong protests that are going on, uh, which, I mean, there's definitely more intelligent people out there who can expand upon um, issues going on in Hong Kong right now. That's that's for a different podcast, not for this one. But uh, <laughs> it is really it is really interesting because the rationale behind it is that Joker is an outsider and he's living in a society um, <laughs> and he's um, kind of he's um, just starting a revolt among the people and, and that sort of thing. And uh, China did not uh, seem pleased. Uh, the board did not seem pleased uh, with that kind of content uh, coming into China and possibly leading to any other um, uh, or just any other increase in in the and riots in general in China, so they decided not to show it there. So uh, we will see. I think this movie still has a pretty good chance of 
and it doesn't has a very good chance actually of getting over that 900 million dollar mark but um yeah we'll see i it's that 1 billion mark is definitely in question now i i don't think it'll quite get there but i think it's going to get really really close yeah that's going to be a neat thing to look at especially as you said without china which probably would have given this thing a good bump because you look at joker i mean it's at 277 million domestically um deadpool which is the film it surpassed for being the highest r-rated film worldwide that film scored about 363 million domestic so i don't even think it's going to um, get too too close to Deadpool's domestic total but Joker is doing huge huge numbers overseas way more than Deadpool did and that's why I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see what its new ceiling will be without a China release I think it still has potential to get to a billion dollars but it's going to take a little while from here on out and it's kind of a weird development there but I won't say I'm surprised this is not something that I'm too surprised about especially um uh, kind of just putting that aside, especially some other things that they have kind of barred from release uh, recently. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood isn't getting a release there either. A um, little bit of a different situation there, not nothing to do with Hong Kong protests or anything like that. Um, but it's it's something that I'm not too surprised uh, with at all. Yeah, and the interesting th- the thing I'm really interested in about in Joker in general is just kind of how how low the the week to week drops have been. Um, I think I came on this podcast and said I was I was expecting this movie to drop like 60% plus in its second weekend just because it had kind of like that it had all the buzz and all the controversy surrounding it and people were like, ooh, what is this movie? And they went, went out and saw it and I just figured it was just such a downer and such a cynical movie that people just wouldn't want to go see it again. But the drops have been insanely good for this movie. It's dropped sub 40s in some weeks. Uh, which is just outstanding, especially for it's just really incredible how any other if if this didn't include Joker, I I would assume that this a movie with similar subject matter would have just crazy steep drops week to week. Um, so, yeah, like I if China was involved here, I think this movie easily crosses a billion at this point. But, yeah, as we mentioned before, it's it's something definitely worth monitoring. But, yeah, I just it's it's tough. It's going to be really, really tough. It's we're going to probably see it squeak out maybe to nine hundred. 50 million plus um who knows maybe warner brothers again this movie is probably going to be um a topic of discussion during oscar season so most likely for joaquin phoenix i mean they're probably going to push him hard for best actor um so they might get some sort of re-release maybe gets closer to a billion um i don't know um it's definitely within the realm of possibility so yeah it's definitely something worth monitoring it's very very interesting 100%. And I think kind of moving past Joker here, a couple of the other films in the top five we're not really going to touch on. Maleficent, I don't think there's really anything to talk about there. Um, The Addams Family has been bumping around for a few weeks. Zombieland, Double Tap, same sort of situation. But we're going to move to what came fifth this weekend with a little over $9 million. That's STX Entertainment's Countdown. Um, Countdown pulled in this money uh, from 2,675 theaters this weekend. Not a bad opening weekend. Nick, uh, what's your take on this film? Um, I don't really have a take on this movie in general um, because it's 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 a movie about a killer app, um, which <laughs> uh, that doesn't that doesn't get me excited at all. Um, maybe I it's one of the movies I skipped out on this weekend. Um, maybe so maybe it's it's bad in all the right ways where it's just hilariously stupid um, remains to be seen there. But budget was six point five million. So it made nine. Uh, so it's kind of the thing with horror movies. Yeah, it's kind of if you just keep that budget in check, it's a pretty good bet that it's going to make a decent amount of money or at least you're going to get your money back. Um, so 
It debuted at five, but I wouldn't be too worried about that if I was STX Entertainment because, I mean, it wasn't marketed too crazily. So I imagine like they're going to be soon to to crop breaking even within the next few weeks, maybe even next week. Um, but what I'm more interested about as is basically that countdown is the big horror release of October 2019, which really, really sucks. Um, it's I've actually been doing a little research on this uh, topic the, the past few weeks, and it's just kind of a bummer because we've we've seen like all of like the big time players this time of year, like Blumhouse is skipping out this year, um, and they've they've had they've done crazy business um, this decade. Where they've had movies like micro budget movies have made a, a shit ton of money. That's the Blumhouse way. Like they had Paranormal two, three, and four come out this um, this year, uh, this decade in October. They had Sinister. They had both Ouija movies. Um, even Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension as well, and Happy Death Day, and then last year with Halloween. Uh, all these movies made at least like seven, eight times their budget, uh, which is so. It's just really bizarre that we didn't see anything this week, this year. And I imagine a lot of that has to do with um, Dr. Sleep, which is coming out on November 8th. And and the probably the reason behind that is because we have uh, Terminator coming out next weekend, which, which uh, surprisingly is probably going to do pretty well domestically. It looks like it's tracking pretty well here to get maybe 40 plus million. We'll see what happens there next week. Um so it was probably smart of Warner Brothers to hold off on releasing Doctor Sleep until the week after Dark Fate comes out, so that it kind of Dark Fate kind of has its weekend to do its thing, and then Doctor Sleep can come in afterwards and still have pretty good legs without a bigger a big time movie kind of just 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 destroying any chances it had there. But um, so yeah, we were left in this place where where there's just no horror movie in October. Um, that just kind of sucks. It kind of just puts a damper on everything, don't you think? I definitely agree. It's it's very unusual. I mean, even last year with Halloween, that's kind of a bigger franchise uh, film. It's not really like one of the smaller uh, new startup franchises like Happy Death Day. But it's still surprising that Blumhouse even skipped out on uh, uh, releasing a film this year. And I think it's worth noting that there is still a little bit of a, a crave for, I think, going out to see horror films around um, this time of year. Um, one movie I want to point to is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which saw like a um, 300 to, or 250% increase this weekend. They grossed a little over 130,000 last weekend. They grossed well over 500,000 this weekend, and that's only in 219 theaters. So I think people that maybe wanted to see a scary movie around this time were looking around, didn't see much. Scary Stories was there. They went to see it. Um, Countdown made a little bit of money here. Um, but as you said, it wasn't marketed that heavily at all. But I think there still is a little bit of a craving for a October horror release. Um but I think what you what you said about Doctor Sleep is 100% right. I think that this year they were a little little scared to release something. I think a lot of studios probably held out because of that. I think Doctor Sleep is going to do some numbers. And some of the early um, buzz has been that the movie's really solid as well. It's not just a movie that is probably going to make money, but a movie that's probably going to do decent uh, with critics and fans as well. So that's something to look forward to. But it, it, it's just a weird thing. I definitely agree with you there that it's just odd that we're not really seeing that sort of release this year at all yeah and it's it's actually really interesting i think it's pretty smart uh on warner brothers behalf that they're actually so they're releasing dr sleep for like a one night kind of special event through fandango i believe uh on october 30th it's 
so it's gonna be like a fun little like on like little appetizer if you will into the halloween so release it there for one night and then kind of create some buzz because this i mean the movie's called dr sleep so right now you don't get the name recognition of the shining right but um so you have probably you have a little work to do in the marketing department so you kind of get this movie out one night people go nuts over it which kind of builds um some kind of just interest for it over the next two weeks. I think that's really smart. Um, but yeah, they, they can do that because there's really no other no other things coming out. And it's even outside of Blumhouse. So Blumhouse has uh, Black Christmas coming out, obviously, around Christmas time uh, later this year, uh, which was probably, I imagine that the, they have one big horror release every year. And so they were working on that one. And obviously that it was, it was Christmas themed. So they wanted to wait and release that until later this year. So that's probably why we're not seeing them this year. Um, but even outside of that, we don't have any other big studios doing anything. Like even movies like like Jigsaw or like the remake of like Carrie or like even like Saw 3D or something like that. Like all these movies, <laughs> um, regardless of quality, still did really well in October, which just kind of goes back to your point that people really want to see uh, scary movies around Halloween. So it's it really is a bummer that we're not getting that this year. I, I guess you're kind of left with seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show at a midnight screening. Um, that's kind of it. Or just creating your own kind of event at home. It's it's really a bummer. I'm really bummed out about it. About it. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Does Netflix have anything of the sorts kind of coming out over the next few weeks? I know that they had a Stephen King adaptation. Um, I forget the name of it, In the Tall Grass. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, that came out a couple weeks ago. I believe that's more in the horror vein as well. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's an odd thing. Uh, but yeah, we'll see Blumhouse come out with their Christmas feature this year or their kind of horror themed Christmas themed horror feature this year. So that'll be neat. But we're going to be waiting till Dr. Sleep to see a real big powerhouse horror movie hit the theaters again. Yeah. And just I'm looking at Netflix's schedule now. They really didn't have much. They're kind of just making way for their kind of awards fair. And I mean, that kind of started with Dolomite. Uh, this week, which we'll talk about later, but yeah, it's there's just nothing. It's just, it's really a bummer. It makes me so sad. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I think Netflix kind of for sure has a different tone with their with their studio this year. I think this year they're really gonna be going for the awards. We've talked about this time and time again, but I think that with Roma last year and even Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I think that Netflix is a little bit hungry, and I think that this year they're gonna be coming out hard for that. So we're gonna be seeing that over the next few weeks and few months. Um, but yeah, interesting from, from Netflix though, that'll be something to touch on in the weeks ahead. Another film that came out this weekend, it placed sixth is black and blue. That film grossed a little over $8 million from 2062 theaters. Nick, I believe you saw this film this weekend. I did. And it's just about the same as every other movie you've ever seen. That's a crime <laughs> movie about cops. Um, yeah, as the title suggests, it's kind of. It's about it's a cop movie that kind of dowels in really race relations as well, which is obviously very topical considering events in the country and in the world. So there's definitely a lot of lot to mine there, but it's there's really nothing to note here. All the commentary it has is very, very on the nose. It's not very interesting. It does it's very it's very surface level and then kind of just gets rid of all of the subtext that might have had and and just has cr like really pretty standard shootouts uh, that don't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> it's just a very standard movie. Uh, Naomi Harris is doing really, uh, is doing uh, a really good job on this movie. And Tyrese Gibson's actually pretty good. Um, I can't remember the last time he was in a non fast and furious movie. Um, so that's kind of interesting for him. But um, the thing that is interesting here is that this movie 
had an A plus cinema score, wow. which is is just kind of crazy. Um, it didn't do crazy business. Uh, it made eight point three million here in the states on twelve point five million dollar budget. Um, so still has a little work to do there. Not much because the budget's smartly pretty low. But yeah, it was really interesting because even with my screening of the movie, people were kind of losing their minds over it a little bit. It's really interesting in that way. It has a lot of, it has, it definitely has a lot of stand up and cheer kind of moments uh, that I think play to the crowd. Um, I kind of, I wasn't really enthused by those moments myself, but it seemed like a lot of other people liked it. So yeah, good for them. Uh, But it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird one. I'm kind of interested to see what this movie does in later weeks. Cause I mean, yeah, that A plus cinema score is really, really solid. And, you don't really see many movies with that at all. Uh, it's really weird that a pretty standard crime drama like this um, ha- has that score. So um, I'm fascinated to see if maybe this movie has kind of quietly good legs over the next couple of weeks. There's nothing really quite like it coming out soon. So um, I don't know. That's I think it's very interesting. Definitely something so like like Joker. <laughs> Not quite like Joker, I should say, but it's definitely something to monitor uh, in the weeks to come. Yeah, that's that's definitely very interesting. And with that A plus cinema score, do you think that this film? Um, I know you're kind of pondering it there, but do you think this film this film does kind of have potential to gain a little bit of traction due to word of mouth from these opening weekend viewers? Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think if my screening is kind of a sort of a sample of what it, what what's possibly to come. I mean, people were loving it. There was people clapping and hooping and hollering, which is really interesting because this is kind of like a very 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 serious uh crime drama so that's just kind of feel it's kind of weird to see but hey like do you do you i guess i don't really know but um it's i think there's definitely a chance here because like i said the budget's not very high it's 12 12 million um i think it's a 12.5 million but it's 12 million so they have a little more room there as well but so it's 8 million right now i think this problem this movie doesn't really have to do much i would probably it hasn't been marketed a lot just like countdown i say if it got to like 25 plus a million i think it's definitely doing something right and it'll mm. probably have at least broken even uh he, on just whatever money that screen gems and sony put into it um so it's kind of one of those things where you don't put a lot of money into something and it does decent and then you kind of have a little micro hit on your hands um so maybe i think this weirdly i think this movie might have a life at some point just because of people or i guess a life after theaters I should say, because people really liked it. Um, I don't, I don't quite see it, but I guess I'm in the, I'm in the vast minority on this one. It's very interesting to see. <laughs> um, yeah, and moving on from that, I think it'll, it will definitely be interesting to kind of check in from a week to week basis um, how this film does. Um, but kind of another movie that dropped this weekend that has a very interesting story behind it. There's a lot of very interesting stories going around with a lot of the releases this weekend. While, <laughs> while not a, a, t- lot of, a lot of, it's a lot of us saying interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a very interesting situation. Um, I think that a lot of films this weekend, while they're not kind of taking the box office by storm, there's a lot to talk about with these movies. And another one of those films is uh, the current war, specifically the director's cut. This is a film that, uh, while the original version was um, kind of attached to the Weinstein Company a couple of years ago, um, Nick, I know you did a lot of research on this, and I'm very excited to hear a little bit more of the background information with this film. Um, Tom Holland is in it. Benedict Cumberbatch is in this film. Um, it's, it seems like an interesting premise, and it opened up to 7.5 million worldwide this weekend, um, which is not a bad opening weekend for a movie that I didn't really know about till 
uh, a couple of days before release. It opened up to 2.7 million domestically in a thousand theaters, placed ninth. Um, Nick, what's kind of some of the background on this and more specifically the studio that distributed it, which is 101 Studios? Um, I would say this, this, the backstory is very interesting again. Um, so I think, I think if someone was doing a drinking game by, by the amount of times that we said interesting in this podcast, I think they'd be dead already. Um, but yeah, so the current war is, it's a really fascinating uh, thing. It's so this movie was shot back in 2016. So it kind of got Tom Holland before he really blew up with a uh, Spider-Man homecoming. Um, he it's, this movie is kind of about, um, electricity back when it was becoming a thing, I guess. So it's Tom Holland as Samuel Insull and then Benedict Cumberbatch as Edison and then uh, Catherine Waterston as Marguerite Westinghouse and then Michael Shannon as George Westinghouse and you have Nicholas Holt as uh, Nikola Tesla in there and uh, Matthew uh, McF- McFadden or McFadden, uh, people that people might know from uh, Succession as Tom. Uh, he plays J.P. Morgan. So you have a lot of just crazy historical heavy hitters in this movie. Um, but yes, this movie was shot back in 2016. And then as, as uh, Harvey Weinstein was known to do back in his days when he was at the Weinstein company and before with Miramax, he basically just took the movie away from the the director whose name is Alfonso Gomez Rajon. I think, I hope I said that right. Um, but basically he just kind of took the movie away from him and just recut the movie and re-edited it. So yeah, then, uh, Weinstein premiered this at TIFF and then it got pretty panned across the board. I think it was, it was a big splat on Rotten Tomatoes. And then obviously the Weinstein scandal happened, which just kind of shook the industry to its core. And that's kind of putting it lightly, even at that point. Um, and so at that point, the current war was just kind of stuck in limbo. Cause I mean, the Weinstein company was going through bankruptcy and they were working on uh, kind of just, selling off of their movies to wherever they could. Um, and so, yeah, the current war was just kind of on the shelf for the longest time. And it was, I kind of felt really bad for the director here because he was, this was kind of his biggest project yet. And he was kind of working through a lot of stuff and he was sad that he probably wasn't the, the, the idea of um, the current war that he wanted to bring this screen probably was never going to happen just because the Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein just took it over and did it and, did whatever he did at that point. Um, so this movie just kind of th- it went away for a while. And then all of a sudden uh, things like kind of uh, dealings behind the, behind the scene happened. And it turns out that there was a loophole in Gomez Rahone's um, contract. So basically, so this is even more backstory to the backstory. <laughs> Martin Scorsese is, Kind of, he kind of took uh, Rahone, uh, Gomez Rahone under his wing as like his protege, and he signed on as as a producer on the movie just to kind of give him some insurance and to make sure that he was he was protected as he was going through this movie. And it turns out that because of this, Scorsese actually had final cut privileges of the movie. Uh, so he he got together and with Alfonso Gomez Rahone and the director went back and just made the movie back into what was his vision, which is really cool to see. That's kind of like a, one of the crazier stories you'll ever see in Hollywood. And then this new uh, company, 101 Studios, which was um, developed earlier this year, just buys the rights to the movie and now it's out and now we get to see it. And that's really, really cool to see. And I'm really happy for Alfonso Gomez Rajon. He actually gets to see his movie out and, 
out in theaters as he intended. Um, and it's really interesting because, yeah, 101 Studios, very new company. I think they were created in January of this year, right after the new year. Um, it's it was it started by David Glasser, who was one of the executives over at the Weinstein Company when all this kind of was going on. Um, so he's kind of working and they've created a, a TV and movie distribution and production house there. And they're actually pretty good, good work so far because they've they worked with uh, Viacom on, on the show uh, Yellowstone, which was uh, directed by Taylor Sheridan. Um, so then that is actually doing really good business and it's a very popular show for the people who watch it and it's making, doing really good numbers. So 101 Studios is off to a pretty good start. And I have, I mean, it's really tough to say what the, they need to do financially on this movie because they could have bought this movie for nothing at all because it was the Weinstein company going through bankruptcy and who really knows like how much they paid for it. It's really tough to say, but at this point, it's just really cool to kind of see this movie out. Um, I never thought it would happen, and we have all these really cool stars in it. Um, it's 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 a cinematic oddity, uh, and I really I really hope it does decent for the director and everyone else involved because it's certainly been a journey, as I've tried to describe here. Uh, it's been a crazy journey for it to come to theaters. So to see it doing decent business around the world, it's pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, it's it's my long winded probably. Uh, spark noted version of the saga that is current war it's it is it is wild but i'm really happy it's here and i think out of out of just the awful situation that happened and all the terrible things that have come out about obviously harvey weinstein over the past few years i think this is one thing that i think we might see this a little bit more with other movies that maybe get saved um but this is this is kind of a positive story and it's it's something that um, should be should be remembered for some for a good reason because it's it's a really neat story and it's it's about a director who had a vision and he and he got to see that vision through years later and it's uh, it's just something that's that's really cool and it's it's very uh, very positive especially in the uh, film industry these days where opportunity might be uh, limited for some individuals. Uh, moving on from there, another very interesting <laughs> release this weekend. This <laughs> Take is a drink. <laughs> a very uh, a release this weekend that I think is is probably um, going to spark a little bit of conversation. There isn't really too much in terms of uh, the actual subject matter, but Jesus is King, the IMAX release. This is kind of a visual, um, kind of long-winded music video that plays through the entire album, uh, Kanye West's new album, Jesus is King. Um, it got released in 372 theaters uh, across North America this weekend um this is a pretty neat thing and it opened up to eight hundred and thirty thousand dollars as well uh, i don't think either of us saw it but i think that there's a little bit uh worth a little bit that's worth talking about kind of in terms of this release yeah it's it's another it's another cinematic oddity i should say here because uh, it's i mean it's kanye doing kanye things um he's been very interesting both both for good reasons and bad reasons over the last few years but yeah he finally released his album jesus is king which has been delayed for like i don't know for forever it seems like uh it was finally released over uh over the weekend and i thought it was pretty good uh, there's some pretty good moments it's very it's really interesting because kanye is now de- uh, making gospel music which is just that's just a pivot um from the guy who did gold digger and all these other songs in the past year that's just very interesting to see but yeah now we have this visual that um kind of I guess it's just a music video, as you said before, and it's playing at IMAX. Um, so it's it's weird. It's just 
people haven't really seemed to be too crazy about it. It just seems like it's a, a gospel concert, a really long gospel concert that's filmed kind of interestingly um, or beautifully, I guess. I don't – it's just very weird, but it's just the idea of Kanye just doing his thing and putting an IMAX release out for his album. I, I don't know. I don't know if this really did much for him in, in terms of marketing the album because it seems like Spotify is – and Apple Music saying, "Hey, we have Kanye's new album." I don't. I think. I think that has a better reach than an IMAX release of of the album itself and the song. So I don't really know uh, what the point of this was, but it's it's weird and it's here. And I had, I had a bunch of theaters playing around me uh, that had, that had it, and it just I just wasn't very interested because I just don't really feel like seeing a thirty minute thing in IMAX. It's very bizarre. Yeah, and the reach, as you said, that that's the thing. Spotify, Apple Music, all these streaming services, they have the reach for this album, whereas we don't think that the theater release really did. I think this is just another thing that Kanye can kind of check off the list of things he's done throughout his career. Um, uh, IMAX feature, not quite feature length, but an IMAX release into theaters of a, kind of a long-winded music video of his, of his whole album. I think that's another thing you can check off his list. But the price of this thing was a little bit too high for me. I'm not sure... Um, what the price was down in the States, but obviously it's probably the same. Um, but to go see this thing, I believe checking the runtime, I think it was a little bit closer to 40 minutes, um, but it was still upper in the higher thirties. This thing still costed the price of a regular admission ticket and it's cheaper than what you'd pay to go see an IMAX movie, but this thing is still not, not even 40 minutes. So I don't know. I think that this should have had sort of a, a majorly discounted cost to it. I think that I would have um definitely consider going to see this thing if it was even 40 percent cheaper than what it was i just looked at the figure and i was kind of baffled that something that this short could cost that much um i know it's only a couple bucks in the end but it's just a just an odd thing yeah i f- i feel like i mean we know kanye like his ego is is just second to none so <laughs> i wonder if it, this is something where he just wanted to do this and he wanted to put this out there and he didn't really care what it costs. Like you like what you said, it was just another thing to check off, check off his list. And I think that's definitely a great way to describe it because I just don't really see the point of doing this at all. I mean, you probably would have done better if you just released it on like on YouTube or something like that and just gotten like a crazy amount of hits. Cause I definitely think it would have. Um, Cause you see music videos even get into the billions of hits on there. So I, it's it's really weird, um, but hey, Kanye is doing Kanye things. Um, this is a better move for him than the other things he's done. It's better than him talking to the president about stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you never you never know. So like, hey, good. I guess this is weird. Um, but hey, go listen to the. I like. I think we would both agree here. Just go listen to the album. Don't really need to go see this. I guess wait till it's streaming somewhere. I don't really know when that'll happen, but you never know. Yeah, I, and and this is interesting too because you look back at a few years ago. Um, I think that when when I first heard this was coming to theaters, which was really only not too long before this weekend that it actually did come out in theaters. He did. I don't know if you are familiar with the song "Runaway." Yep. Yep. Um, several years ago in 2010, he did sort of like a 30 minute elongated YouTube release music video of Runaway and a few other songs that were put into that album. And it was I remember watching it when I was a little bit younger and it was very cinematic, very artistic um, and very daring. And I think that he this is it, it could be in the same vein, maybe he had the same idea, but this time he wanted to go for um, a, a IMAX release. So I think 
like that's just what I kind of remembered when I heard this was coming out to theaters. So yeah, it's just another thing that Kanye has done. Uh, moving <laughs> on from there, Netflix kind of premiered a well, not premiered, but they rolled out on on their streaming service a bigger film this year that will probably contend in some of the awards categories. That's Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Um, I think that we're definitely going to be talking about this movie a little bit more as time goes on. The film has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Metascore right now is sitting at around 76. So it'll be really neat to see how this thing plays out in the uh, award circuits. It's kind of Eddie Murphy's sort of return. Um, and he's trying to return to form here as well with uh, another um, awards-worthy performance. Yeah, it's, it's this is a movie I actually I definitely made sure to catch this weekend, and I think a lot of that positive buzz um, definitely comes from the fact that Eddie Murphy is back in our lives in a positive way, and he he's trying in a movie, and he's really fun, and he's kind of just channeling that energy that we know and love from him, because the movie it's written by. The same people that did Ed Wood. And if you kind of know Dolomite and Rudy Ray Moore, you know that he was this guy who just went out and made his own movies and he was kind of an outsider and just wanted to make it. He created a character called Dolomite and just went out and did his own thing. Um, so there's a ton of comparisons there and it's very, and they're very, very obvious. So the movie itself is pretty cookie cutter, but man, it is really cool to see Eddie Murphy back and he's the movie, his character is incredibly vulgar and hilarious. Um, there's a really fun black exploitation vibe to it all. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting because we kind of went down the, the top five and there was really nothing to get excited about. Uh, so this is another weekend where Netflix is releasing probably the biggest film of the week. Um, we've started to see it this year. Um, I think one of the, the first big ones was when they released Triple Frontier back in March, I believe. Uh, that was that was the first time where it was like, ooh, this is definitely the marquee event. Of the weekend, and we have it, this. I think this is definitely at this time because uh, I, I don't think anyone wanted to see Countdown. <laughs> so it's uh, it's just really interesting. I mean, this is kind of like the the beginning of like a massive wave for them because they have Marriage Story coming out, which I'm seeing early, and I'm really excited to see that next week. And then we have Irishman as well, and just so many others. So this is it's the first it's the first kind of just announcement i mean we kind of had the laundromat which didn't really do much uh for netflix a couple weeks ago but yeah this is this is a big time move for them and it's i'm sure we're going to hear crazy statistics from netflix that this movie is streamed like five billion times in like the first hour that it was released (laughs) or something like that they always release those crazy numbers and we never know if they're real or not but you know what what can you do at this point? But yeah, Dolomite, my, Dolomite is my name is probably, I would assume this is like the big winner of the weekend, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's a really neat thing to point out. Just kind of looking at what hit the theaters, looking at what came out of Netflix, what's kind of the um, bigger thing in terms of what we should talk about, what's kind of the must-see the weekend. And I think I would definitely kind of check under Netflix's column this weekend. I think Dol- Dolomite is my name is probably the marquee event of the weekend in terms of new releases. Um, so that's another win for Netflix. Moving on, this is a film that we both saw this um, a couple of days ago, at least, um, The Lighthouse. This is a film that was definitely highly, highly anticipated. This is a movie that I was looking forward to. Um, Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, were you a fan of this film? This movie is so fucking bonkers, and <laughs> I really, really loved it from that perspective. So yeah, it's from Robert Eggers, the guy who did The Witch, um, and a lot of parallels between these two movies. Um, it's kind of a 
Descent into Madness, this one is kind of a little more crazy and unhinged than The Witch, and it's people speaking in very particular um, styles of English. Um, I think Robert Eggers is really fascinated in how we speak to each other through time and how that's evolved. So that's pretty interesting to, to look out there. But yeah, The Lighthouse, I feel like it's a weird thing. This is like the popcorn indie movie of the fall because it's it's already doing really solid business. And it's I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how you feel with the movie, but there's really not much to it underneath these two men just going mad on an island. And it's but it's it's obviously incredible to watch these two and. Robert Pattinson is just absolutely going for broke. And it's one of the most incredible things I've seen just and how unhinged it is. Uh, but there's nothing really quite below the surface for me. So I'm wondering if this is like the equivalent of seeing like Terminator Dark Fate <laughs> for like <laughs> for some sort of um, block, uh, blockbuster movie. Because it's just kind of a thrill a minute um, kind of thing, but just obviously on a very different scale. Yeah, I, I really had a good time with this movie, and I was it it kind of hit me differently than what I was expecting. Um, I I did kind of expect a lot of that deep dark descent into madness kind of wacky performances from Pattinson and Defoe. I expected all that sort of stuff. I expected uh, some of the cinematography and and how the film kind of presented itself, but I didn't realize how much fun I would have watching this movie. I thought that I was. Um, gonna kind of be watching not quite a slow burn but but something that was gonna be patient and um really hit me at the end but i really had a good time with this movie i thought it was quite funny too at times i think that it was a lot funnier than i expected it to be um defoe and pattinson just their interplay their back and forth for me it might be the best chemistry between two performers this year i mean brad pitt and leo in once upon a time in hollywood is still probably I don't know. This for me is competing with them for my favorite kind of duo and chemistry between two performers this year because they were just terrific together and it was so much fun to watch. Um, it, it, it was great. I would definitely recommend seeing it. I don't know. I, I would definitely see it again as well. I don't think it's a film for me that I, I wouldn't want to see again. A lot of um, films kind of with this kind of dark tone, maybe a little depressing. Maybe people don't want to see them again, but I think this movie has a lot uh, to talk about and a lot to kind of ponder and a lot to go back and look at. I think just, just the way the film is presented, it's just so entertaining for me and I'd love to go see it, uh, played again. Yeah. And it, it really has all like those kind of like those, what people would call like the arty farty elements where there's a lot of strange imagery and the movies in that four by three aspect ratio. So it's very intimate and it's in a very stark black and white or, kind of cinematography and it's really beautiful and i really hope that a24 kind of puts something behind a campaign for best cinematography because it's it's unbelievable to look at um but yeah there's there's kind of something for everything here like outside of like the the artsy things there's farts <laughs> there's <laughs> Will, just willem dafoe and robert Pattinson yelling at each other and being goofy and just drinking themselves blind drunk um it's one of those movies where i can't really it's hard to describe because you wouldn't you wouldn't call it a horror movie. Um, maybe a thriller. It's not a drama. Um, it's just kind of this thing that Robert Eggers made, and it's kind of like it's it's a crazy experience because it just yeah, like you said, it's not really a slow burn. Things kind of just go nuts very very quickly, <laughs> and then just Robert Pattinson is just doing all sorts of crazy things that I just absolutely love. Um, but yeah, this I, that's kind of why I. I feel like it's 
very much like a popcorn indie movie where the, it's just it's just a weird thrill ride. It's just kind of fun and it's a very visceral type of thing and you kind of have a strong reaction to it. It's it's really really fun. Yeah, it, it was great um, for sure. And I think that if you know kind of what you're getting into, you know kind of somewhat of what to expect with this movie. I think that people will have a great time with this with this film. And I think what you said, especially popcorn kind of indie flick, I think that kind of hits the uh, hammer right on the head of the nail there. I think that's a perfect, um, perfect way to put it, uh, for sure. So The Lighthouse is out this weekend. And I don't know, how much more do you think this film is going to expand? I believe it has reached um, near a 1,000 theaters this weekend. Uh, do you think it'll expand more than that? So I think, so looking at... Uh, box office mo- mojo it's actually yeah. sitting closer to 600 theaters i think it's i think the move this coming week is to go to a thousand uh, th- uh okay. theaters so i think you're right there um but yeah i think it's it's going to expand a little more because like i said there's definitely a little more appeal to this movie i mean it's it's very very strange but if you see the trailer it's exactly what it is i think a24 marketed this movie really really well i mean it's exactly what it, you think it is from the trailer um, so expectations, you know, you, you just, you're getting exactly what you're signing up for there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's doing really solid business. It's already made over 3.5 million and it's run so far, uh, which is very, very solid. Um, so I think, yeah, this movie is going to keep, I think going to keep expanding. I don't see it quite going over maybe not much more than a thousand. I think that's probably its highest point, but I think it'll stay there for a few weeks because it doesn't really have anything quite like it coming out. I mean, that's to say, I don't really think I've ever seen a movie like this movie, so it won't, it won't have anything coming out quite like it for for years, <laughs> maybe. But yeah, this this movie's going to stick around for quite a little bit. I think it's going to be a, a big a big hit on a on a certain scale. Um, so yeah, this one's going to stick around for a while, and I hope it. I hope people go out and see it. It's it's really weird, and but in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think it'll quite do what The Witch did, which was forty million worldwide. That's a number that this film's probably not going to be looking at at all but i think the witch had a lot of that kind of early year hype where it's kind of hyped up as the scariest movie of the year and people always have to go see that this is a little bit different than that so we'll we'll see it make uh, some respective totals and i think 3.6 million already is a very promising figure for a film like this so it'll it'll be really neat to watch how this film progresses in the coming weeks and i would definitely agree with you i think they'll hang around probably a thousand theaters for a few weeks it's just a just a really neat thing there the last film i want to touch on before we wrap it up uh for this week's episode is jojo rabbit i know that you saw it this weekend it's expanding to my area uh next week i believe um taika watiti's uh hate satire uh what was your take on this film this movie is definitely causing a lot of buzz uh, especially out of winning the people's choice award at tiff um how do you feel about it um I thought this movie was delightful. Um, it's kind of so Taika Waititi has kind of two modes as a director. He just goes full zany, uh, which you kind of see with something like like Thor, like Thor Ragnarok, or uh, kind of uh, what we do in the shadows. But he also has he has he has that same kind of zany um, attitude, but he also brings in like like a coming of age story to it and kind of looks at growing up. And so that's. You see now with Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People, and that's that's kind of the mold that uh, Jojo Rabbit falls into because it's it's really about this kid growing up and kind of dealing with his blind fanaticism, which I thought was really it's really sweet. And I know a lot of been a lot of people have talked about this movie as possibly problematic. Uh, it's just that's just not 
a thing with this movie. It's it's very thoughtful. Um, maybe it doesn't quite deal with its tone correctly. Um, there's some moments where it's I think it's a little too jokey when it's uh, dealing with very serious uh, subject matter on screen. But I think that's a that's a separate conversation. Uh, this movie is uh, very very sweet. I I liked it quite a bit. It's nothing. It's nothing absurdly crazy or it didn't blow my mind in any particular way, but it's it's really delightful and a lot of really solid performances from it. Uh, this is one of my favorite Scarlett Johansson uh, performances. Um, I know it's a lot of people are taking shots at Marvel right now, uh, but it's it's really nice to kind of see her outside of the MCU for a change. She has a really kind of human and just personal performance here it's just it's really sweet and she's a great as the motherly figure and um roman griffin davis is the is the lead kid in this movie who is just the most adorable person ever like he he now has the championship belt for cutest kid in a movie <laughs> and i'm sure he'll hold that for quite some time but yeah like you said i i'm very interested to kind of see how this movie we're going to talk about this movie in for many many weeks because like you said it won the people's choice award at tiff which is kind of it's a very very good sign for how a movie does come award season because since 2012 every movie that has won the people's choice award at tiff has been nominated for best picture and some of them have gone on to win like last year's green book and i think 12 years a slave as well in there um and then you had other movies like three billboards and la la land and room and imitation game and silver linings playbook so all these movies are nominated so my guess is with and including Fox Searchlight as the distributor, who are they are no strangers to releasing a great Oscar campaign. Uh, this movie is probably going to get kind of get nominated for Best Picture, um, and we kind of see with the numbers as well. It's doing really solid numbers. It's starting, it's only in fifty five uh, theaters around the U S. and it's already made one point five million, which is just really solid numbers. Uh, so yeah, this is a movie I quite liked, and I think this is going to be like the crowd favorite um, movie that gets nominated for best picture. Uh, I think this one is going to, it's going to, it's going to be in theaters for a very, very long time. And it has that, it has that hook that maybe more uh, mainstream audiences. Uh, it's kind of captured their interest you know, with Taika Waititi as Hitler, who's it. He is just incredible in this movie. Um, he's so, so funny. Everything, everything that Taika does in any movie just makes me laugh <laughs> really, really hard. Just like his little gestures that are just so like, ah, whatever, but they're the funniest thing. Uh, he's really great in this movie. Um, so yeah, I think this is, I, I sense like a tidal wave for this movie coming um, maybe kind of in the same way as green book last year, where, it just kind of hung around and all of a sudden it just kind of went nuts and made a lot of money really quickly and became an Oscar favorite. Um, I can see a same kind of the same path for this movie, but it's a little better than green book, which is, I'm happy to report. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good sign. <laughs> but uh, I think I would definitely agree with you there. And before we do wrap it up, I think just kind of touching on that 55 theaters and a little over a million dollars, from just 55 theaters, I would definitely agree that this movie is ready to burst open at the box office. Once it gets that theater count up there, I think this movie is going to make some pretty good dollars. And I think it's going to probably last a while. And as you were saying uh, that kind of just talk about the film and what you liked about it and kind of how you see this movie progressing, I would definitely agree. I think this movie really has some potential at the box office. And I think when I see it in a week or so, and Colin, he's pretty excited to see it too. I think we'll definitely have a lot to talk about um, then. And before we go, I just want to touch on something real quick. This is a fun little note. So um, the Alamo Drafthouse uh, theater chain, 
they actually did something neat. So around 15 locations across the country, um, fans were expecting to go see Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, instead, they saw Terminator Dark Fate as a surprise screening. Here's my oh, question very to cool. you. Here's my question to you. Would you rather see Terminator 2 on the big screen for the first time, or would you rather get surprised with Terminator Dark Fate? Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, God. Uh, well, judging by the reviews of Dark Fate, it looks like it's just kind of fine. Uh, I think it's... Uh, we, we shouldn't take uh, Rotten Tomatoes as, uh, as the perfect calculator of anything, uh, but it's sitting at a 65% on there. So that kind of says it's okay. Um, so... By that metric, I would have to say I'd rather see T2 on the big screen. Uh, but, I mean, if we're looking forward to next week, I actually am kind of interested to see what Dark Fate brings because I really like Tim Miller as a director. And um, this movie seems like it's trying to reinvent a lot, just like kind of the same way that we saw with Halloween last year, where it's just like, ah, forget all those movies you hate and let's just do a sequel to the movies you really, really like. <laughs> so uh, it's very, very interesting. I would definitely, I mean, T2 is, it's just one of the best genre movies ever made. Uh, so it's really tough because I'm. I hope Dark Fate's fine, uh, a good movie, but it's 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 just hard to compare that, you know. Yeah, and I mean, kind of going off that, I definitely agree. I hope that this kind of does follow that vein of Halloween. Just forget about the movies you didn't like. Here's a solid film. So that'll be what we're talking about next weekend. Colin should be back next weekend as well. It's a great show. Thanks for coming on, Nick, and we'll see you all again next weekend.